is up, everybody? This is episode 13 of the Gold Standard Podcast. I'm Rob Stats Guerrera, and with me again, and I say again because we already did this earlier in the day, but we're redoing it now because of breaking news, is Levin Black. What the heck are you so excited for? Have you not seen the news? <laughs> well, if you, you're not wrong, and it burns me to say that, but if you haven't seen the news, here's what's up. Not only does Kendrick Bourne have COVID-19, is he is out this week against the Packers, but now because of close contact, Trent Williams is going to miss this game, and, and this is the real crusher, Brandon Ayuk is also out of this game, um, and Debo Samuel was also placed on the COVID-19 list, even though he wasn't going to play in the game. But so those three guys were added now, Levin. And I don't know who the hell Nick Mullins is going to throw the ball to. I don't know either. I mean, stand up if you were one of the guys banging the table saying Trent Taylor was going to be a number one receiver. Because I guess he is now. <laughs> yeah, you were right. Ding, ding. Uh, the, the Niners receivers in this game are Trent Taylor, Richie James. Maybe. Kevin, what's that? Maybe. He's questionable. I'm trying to get the benefit of the doubt here. <laughs> uh, Kevin White from the practice squad who could be elevated. River Craycraft and someone called Chris Finky or Fink. I'm not sure because I didn't know he existed until about a half hour ago. Is it Finky or Einhorn? Einhorn and Finky? Finko. <laughs> Finko is Einhorn. Einhorn is a man. <laughs> Wow, I did not think we were going to go eighth Ventura in this spot. Well done. <laughs> yeah, I'm probably going to be thinking that the entire game when that guy, you know, has some like 200-yard game. So this is my question because as of now, and again, this could all change, but as of now, the game is scheduled to continue, to go on. The Packers boarded their flight already hours ago. They're probably in San Francisco by now. Um what number of people have to be out, Levin, for the NFL to postpone this game? I, I don't get this one. I can understand if, like, one team gets a substantial benefit from it being postponed. You know, if it was just the Niners missing people due to COVID and the whole five-day window, okay, I would get it. They're getting an unfair advantage by you postponing it just because they had positive tests. But both teams are in the same situation. The Packers have no running backs because Jones is – a very big question mark been reading that he's doubtful. So they would get a benefit from pushing because it means he could get into the game. And then pretty much all their other running backs are all either COVID positive AJ Dillon or close contact five day protocol, like the Niners with Jamal Williams. And I forget the other guy. So they would stand to get their running backs back if it was pushed and the wider, the wide receivers for the Niners would come back, at least get Ayuk back and I don't know, Kendrick Bourne wouldn't be back by Monday because he's actually COVID po positive, but they would get Trent right. Williams. So both teams, I would say, get a pretty substantial benefit from pushing it. Why not? Like, I, I don't get it. Quit being asinine. I, there, there's only one thing, like I've been thinking about it for the last couple hours. I mean, we recorded, what, four hours, five hours ago, and then this broke pretty much right after. So I've had some time to sit on it. There's only one reason I can think of that they're not postponing this. What have we seen time and time again with these COVID, the first COVID positive? People test negative day one, day two, they start testing, they might get another positive. Day three, they might get another positive. There haven't been very many, they get one positive who's a player and nobody else is positive three days later. I think their fear is, is if they push it, and this is where you get to be really seeing what the 
NFL's priority is if they push it and more people start coming in positive Thursday night, Friday, Saturday, they might not be able to play it Monday and the Packers have already had their bye. So then you're screwed. But that's insane because those people it are is. positive right now, whether they yes. test them or not. That shows their priority. They're praying that this is my opinion, obviously, but I think they're praying they can play the game tomorrow night and then maybe there's more positives and they go, oh, well, hey, they were negative. How were we supposed to know? Because if they if that scenario happens where there are more positives that come from this and they delayed the game, there's a very big chance that they now have to go to that you know, 18-week, 19-week schedule because the Packers are now going to have to have two buys. I mean... That, that's all not, I can think of. There's no other reason. What other just, reason? Because th- there's only one other possibility, but it doesn't make any sense to me that it's two marquee franchises that come in droves for watching so they don't want to lose the ratings for Thursday Night Football. But if you push it to Monday, all those fans are still going to watch. So I don't get it. And, you know, I mean, are they going to come out in droves to watch Nick Mullins and, and Jamichael Hasty? I don't know. But it's not just the 49ers that are having this problem, Levin. The Ravens are going to be without eight players this week due to COVID-19. That's almost an entire side of the ball. Like, the NFL is just plowing through this thing here. And it, it's very frustrating because, it's I mean, it's clearly going to impact the quality of the games. I mean, what did, what did we – I mean, both you and I were pretty negative about – the fact that they were still playing this season at all with COVID still around. Well, what's COVID like now compared to the start of the season? It's skyrocketed. Yeah, I mean, it's literally the highest it's ever been. So the likelihood that this becomes an every week thing where there's more and more people testing positive is pretty high. Like there's still a legitimate chance this season does not finish or gets called off and they say we'll finish in spring or or whatever. Like that's an actual possibility that I think people have forgotten about. I, I know myself, I kind of stopped thinking about it. That, okay, maybe the season does get stopped. Well, now that the Niners have had some actual COVID issues, I, I've kind of stopped and thought about it. It's like, you know, COVID is worse than it's ever been. That means it's as likely as ever that there's a massive outbreak and this becomes an every week thing to where the NFL just goes, you know what? We got to pause on this. It's not going to work. That's the 49ers only prayer, right? Pause the season. Let some of these guys <laughs> get healthy again. And then all of a sudden, hey, look, you come back. Maybe we're four and five and they can make a run, right? That's the ideal scenario for them. I, I guess. I mean, yeah, the Niners would probably benefit as much or more than any other team from a postponement and coming back in spring, you know, picking it up in like March or April. So, and that's the frustrating thing for me because look, obviously we know that they were going to have a hard time winning games the rest of the year. But I was really looking forward to on Thursday night getting to see Ayuk and seeing, you know, he's basically the only guy out there. They've got Mullins who, while he's not as good as Jimmy Garoppolo, I feel like he sees the field well enough to where if Kyle gets Ayuk open, he's going to see him and at least give him a chance to make a play. And, you know, nothing can go right this season. Now I can't even see that. I got to watch possibly Kevin White and Trent Taylor and River Craycraft. Yeah, it's uh, Cray Cray to make another pun. Um, no more puns <laughs> so let me ask you this in terms of this game what strategy would you have if you were Kyle on offense I mean obviously you got to try and run the ball that seems to be the biggest weakness of Green Bay's defense so I would I would let Jermichael Hasty eat as much as possible maybe you you know 
get lucky and they run the ball the way they did against the Packers in two games last season. And, you know, if, if you can do that and if Jordan Reed plays, cause he still hasn't been activated off IR, but if he plays, maybe he becomes the focal point of the offense there. And you kind of work everything through him because I mean, the 49ers had trouble getting the ball to the wide receivers as it is. And now they're just, they're just decimated out there. I, I don't know what, what else Kyle can do. No, I, I think that, I think w- it, it's a twofold strategy that involves both sides of the ball, in my opinion. On offense, you're conservative. You other th- Basically a running gun. Run, 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 run. When you do pass, it's bi- basically a, okay, everybody go long. Because <laughs> nobody really knows the offense. Everybody go long except for you, Trent Taylor. But like who, yeah. <laughs> if they need a deep pass, who are they throwing it to? Kevin White? Well, I mean... It's not hard to find athletic receivers. They just aren't good at running routes and understanding complicated systems. So they can run a go route. I mean, that that's not hard. That's playground football. If I'm the Niners, I come out and I try to make the game as short as possible. I'm running the ball on offense. I'm doing some underneath stuff, concentrating on Jordan Reed if he's out there. But the other part of it is if I'm defense, knowing the offense is not going to be able to generate much, you play highly aggressive. You blitz they have a living crap out of Rodgers and you try to force some turnovers because I think that's the only hope now for the Niners is to get some defensive turnovers. I don't I don't think they can win. I don't think they can win sitting back and going, hey, we only gave up, you know, 17 points. I don't think that would be enough. The Niners, I mean, on our previous recording, I predicted 23-13 and that was before Ayuk was out and Trent Williams was out. So <laughs> I don't think 17 points is going to be good enough. I think the defense is going to have to make some turnovers and they're going to have to get to Rodgers. And they're only going to be able to do that blitzing. That's an interesting strategy by you. It's basically like, look, we know we're not going to be able to stop you. And yeah, you could totally burn us, but we don't have any other options. So let's just throw the kitchen sink at you. And, you know, maybe that gives Sala a little bit of freedom to go a little nuts here and, and come up with some crazy stuff. Fred Warner blitzing all the time or, you know, whatever. I would like to see that. What have you got to lose at this point? Like, you're I mean, that's, that's anyway. That's the way I would look at it as, you know, it's not going to be good enough just limiting Rodgers to an average game. That's not good enough because our offense is going to struggle because it's a backup quarterback with a fifth, sixth, seventh, and eighth string wide receiver. I mean, that that's what he has. And a backup tight end and a fifth string running back. I mean, there is no hope in a backup left tackle. <laughs> I mean, I can go on and on, but they don't – I don't see them unless they just have a couple – really big plays like they get lucky and somebody breaks free that's the only way i see them putting up some points this is going to be a game where even when they even when they get a drive where they got yards i don't think they're going to be able to punch it in i mean who how are you going to punch it in with that offense like you're not gonna they already struggle in the red zone like this is a game where i could see the niners struggling and having like four field goals where, hey, we got four big plays and we got field goals out of it, but couldn't do anything else. Special teams, you know, that's going to be, that could be the, an important factor for the Niners. And, you know, I, I hate to say this, Levin, but you sure would like to have a punt returner who set the record for touch, for punt return touchdowns when he was in college for a game like this. Wouldn't you like to have Dante Pettis back there returning punts? I mean, he, ne- he never really did for the Niners anyways. I mean, he was back there, but... It was pretty clear they always, and this is part of the ego of Kyle, in my opinion, they're, it's pretty clear to me that on punt returns, they are told, 
unless you got really obvious daylight in front of you, do not return that thing. <laughs> because Kyle, and it's an ego thing for Kyle because Kyle says, I don't want you trying to return it. I don't care if you get an extra 10 yards. I don't want you risking anything. I can score the points with my offense. That's generally his philosophy. Now, would we like to have Dante Pettis, the receiver right now? Uh, I think that's pretty obvious. I mean, <laughs> there is nobody else, so they need receivers. I thought you were going to go somewhere else. Uh, we kind of predicted it or wondered if it was going to happen in the beginning of the year, and we haven't really talked about it in a long time. I thought you were going to say this is the game for a fake punt. Oh, yeah. You know? you, I've been waiting for that <laughs> because Wishnowski's the Australian football player. He's got a little bit of that in him, you know? Maybe we see some crazy stuff. I've been waiting for that to pull that out. Ever since he was drafted, everybody kept mentioning that, so I've been hoping for it, but we haven't seen that. No, we have not, but this might be the game for it. This might be the game of all kinds of trick plays and things like that because, like I said, if, if they're just playing it straight and trying to play their normal offense – they're not going to move the ball unless the Packers, you know, didn't show up. Yeah, I mean, they have Jair Alexander. Like, who's he even going to guard? Like, who do you put him on? Trent Taylor? <laughs> what a waste. Juice. That's like a win for us. <laughs> Juice. Now, I did think I did think of an interesting idea that I don't know if they'll do. I haven't heard anything. But because they're so depleted at wide receiver, there is one person on this roster who's not a wide receiver that is probably capable. Does Hasty just take over the running back and McKinnon plays wide receiver? I mean, they, they use him so often as a receiver. It's not a crazy idea. I mean, and you're right about Juice, too. Like, I bet you we'll see Juice lined up a lot on the line of scrimmage because, I mean, I'd rather have use check than River Craycraft, I'll tell you that. I can't wait for our post reaction when Craycraft like leads the team in receiving or something. <laughs> I knew it all along. <laughs> a river runs through it. That would be the headline on the website, right? When he blows up. I think the headline from this one should just be show. That's what this season is. <laughs> it's a season like no other. That is uh, for sure. I had a thought now and you derailed me with your mystery plan. Oh, I know what it was. I don't know. I don't know how fast they'd be able to. Well, I guess they can't do it with the COVID restrictions, but Ted Ginn was just released. He could return some punts for the 49ers. We've seen that, but they'd never be able to get him in on time. Yeah. I mean, I tweeted at uh, Jerry Rice and Terrell Owens asking if they were busy tomorrow night. Somebody said, I don't know if it was you. Somebody said, I'm waiting for the TO. I'm ready tweet when he sees all the 49ers receivers that aren't going to play in this. No, I, I actually tweeted at him and Jerry Rice, tagged them in it and said, are you guys available tomorrow night? But no, I, I also joked that uh, now starting a wide receiver, Mitch Wyshynowski. <laughs> Did they respond? <laughs> no, <laughs> not yet. I was actually, I figured Jerry Rice would not, but I actually thought there might be a small chance that T.O. would see it and be like, I'm ready. Here's the thing. Right now, if I told you that, that the uh, 49ers could snap their fingers and T.O. could suit up for them tonight, wouldn't you rather watch that than Richie James, Trent Taylor, and Kevin White? Oh, yeah. I'm legitimately curious whether T.O. could truly, because, I mean, it seems like he still has the physical tools. So I'm genuinely curious to see what he could do, because I do think from this, the things that have been posted by him and the things that have been said by the people he worked out with, I do think T.O. is better than a decent number of wide receivers on NFL rosters right now. I don't think he's the T.O. of old, clearly. I think he would probably wear down throughout the season. 
but do I think he could come in and, and be somebody that has a role from, you know, game here and there, you know, try to rest him, things like that, and be better than some six-string River Craycraft? Yeah. Poor River Craycraft. He could be like, he could be feeding the homeless every day. He's not in the facility. It's not, it's not his fault. I mean, he's getting, he's getting a unique opportunity. I mean, look at uh, Travis Fulgram in Philly. I mean, he came out of nowhere. He was what practice squad, I think at the start of the season. And now he's like a legit receiver. It's not just, well, he gets force fed the ball. It's no, he's like a true starting caliber receiver that came out of nowhere. I think he's leading the league in yards since he, since he got in. Um, so yeah, you're right. Sometimes these guys do emerge. Want to go to Mullins for a second, because I've basically boiled it down to this with Nick Mullins. If we could have Nick Mullins head with Jimmy Garoppolo's physical skills, we'd have a pretty damn good quarterback. Like Mullins sees the field a million times better than Jimmy, but he just doesn't have the arm and the physical ability that Garoppolo has. So even if he sees the throws, sometimes he's just not capable of making them. I don't know if I agree with that. I truly do think Garoppolo gets through his reads. I mean, we've seen Steve Young say multiple times he gets through them too quickly. It's like he's too smart. He's too good at picking up things, and he doesn't wait for the play to develop. So I I don't necessarily agree with that. I think Jimmy can read a defense pretty darn well. He's just not patient enough. And I would also say what happened to Nick last time he was out there. Well, not last time, I guess, because he played for Jimmy this past week. But, you know, the the time that he started, he got rattled big time. It was not good. Yeah, he got rattled. I mean, that, that's all there is to it. His confidence went to, into the crapper. Like, he, he was a shell. He could not get out of his own head. I, I don't know if I would necessarily agree with that one. Well, that's what we got. <laughs> <laughs> now, I, I will say that you got to think that Nick sitting at home, you know, this is Wednesday night that we're recording. I think he's sitting at home seeing this news going, you freaking kidding me? I get, I get a shot again. It's probably my last shot to prove myself to see if an, you know, a team will give me a starting gig or at least to try at it. And this is what I got to go with in prime time where everybody's watching me. Hey, you know what, Nick, if you can't do it, then you're never going to be that guy. You know, if you are the guy that you hope to show, then you would get it done. That's what I would say in response to him. And I know it's a crappy situation, but you know, you don't get to choose when opportunity knocks. You just have to answer the door. Yeah. But sometimes what's behind the door knocks you on your ass. Well, would you rather get knocked on your ass or would you rather never get the knock on the door? How long can we extend this metaphor? (laughs) I I get what you're saying, but you would imagine Nick is frustrated because he's probably not going to look good. All right, so what we want to do now is we taped an interview with Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette earlier in the day on Wednesday. Uh, We can't play all of it for you because some of it doesn't apply now because news is broken since we recorded it, but there's some good stuff in there that we wanted to give you. So here's a portion of our interview with Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette. We'll play that. We'll react to it on the back end. We'll give you our score prediction, and then we'll wrap this thing up. First question I have is something I talked about on the SB Nation NFL show earlier this week. I was stunned that the Packers did not make a trade at the deadline for a wide receiver. Have you picked up on any um, unhappiness, perhaps, from Aaron Rodgers that they didn't make a move? Aaron Rodgers has retreated into the default zone of he is the quarterback. He will stay in his lane, publicly at least. We don't know what happens privately, but publicly he's going to stay in that lane. 
he's not going to rock the boat. That's the way he's been really since the draft. And uh, he, he he's quick to remind that the one time he did really stump for, for someone was Jake Kumro during training camp. It's abbreviated training camp that they had. And he, he said that he was a big fan of Jake Kumro. Saw him being on the team. The Packers released Jake Kumro. He was signed to the Buffalo Bills practice squad. So he's mentioned that, how uh, his uh, opinions, his, his analysis and, uh, the, his insight into the Packers offense is not something that uh, carries much weight when it comes to decisions. And he's right. He's the quarterback. He's not the GM. Um, is there frustration? I don't see how there could not be. I mean, if we're just being honest, uh, it's, it's been Devante Adams and everyone else for going on two years now with this offense. It's been the same way for a long time. Everyone knows Devontae Adams is a tremendous receiver, a Pro Bowl caliber receiver, one of the best in the league. But he faces constant double teams because there's no one else on this Packers offense in this passing game at the receiver position that you have to consistently respect and, and, and puts the fear in you to, to demand more coverage. It's it's just it's constant double teams with Devontae Adams because he's that guy. Um, it doesn't make things easier for Aaron Rodgers. It doesn't make things easier for Devontae Adams. So, uh, yeah, I'm, I'm sure there has to be some frustration. With that said, it, it, it hasn't translated into um, any public statements of frustration or any real change from, from the front office. So let me ask you that because Niner fans are certainly curious because they would be one of the teams to uh, at least inquire. But do you get any sense that the possibility of Rogers moving on, whether it's Rogers demanding a trade or the team deciding to move on because they want to go with love or whatever it may be this off season. Do you get any sense that that's kind of quieted down and gone away with how well things have gone? It's quieted down because it's in the season now. And everyone knew that in the season, Aaron Rodgers, the guy going back to draft night, Brian Gutekunst and the night after Matt LaFleur, made it very clear that Aaron Rodgers is the guy's leader of this football team. And as far as 2020 is concerned, that's uh, he, he's, this team's going to go as far as Aaron Rodgers takes it. That, that, that was never in question. So as soon as the season started and there was something more tangible to focus on, like actual game on the field, instead of what happened in the draft, that was always going to kind of fall by the wayside, at least temporarily. But there is still the reality hanging over this franchise that, in the draft, they put the Aaron Rodgers era on a clock. We don't know how much time is on that clock. We don't know if it's two seasons. We don't know if it's three. Aaron Rodgers sat for three seasons after being drafted in the first round by the Packers in 2005. It, he didn't start until 2008. He was behind Brett Favre for three full years. So certainly it could be longer than shorter in terms of how long that clock goes, but they put that era on a clock this spring. So um, it's not something that's actively – I, I don't think week in, week out discussed all that much right now because right now the Packers are a Super Bowl contender. They're a bona fide championship title hunt team, and that's what the focus is on in 2020. But that, that, that reality hanging over this franchise is never really going to go away so long as Aaron Rodgers and Jordan Love coexist. Okay, so that's sort of a bigger picture view of things. Now I want to kind of zoom into this week. I was going to be the one saying that the 49ers are going to be able to run all over the Packers just like they did twice last year. But now that no one that touched the ball in the NFC Championship game is going to be able to play in this game, I mean, from your perspective, do you see any way the Niners can win this game? 
they could win this game. I mean, shoot, they, they, they might still run all over this Packers defense. Let's face it, it might be a completely different 49ers offense, but it's the same Packers run defense. And we've seen what this Packers run defense does, or I guess doesn't do, and that's stop the run. So, you know, I, this, it's, this, from, from, the, from the Packers' perspective, it's the same Packers defense that struggled mightily out there in two games last season. Everyone knows what happened in the NFC Championship game on the ground. It's not an isolated incident. It's been a theme since the start of last season that they, they, they really struggle against the run. And now they're going, even if it, the personnel's different, they're going against the same Kyle Shanahan outside zone scheme uh, that has given them so many fits. And so this is, regardless who the quarterback is, who the tight end is that's sealing the edge, who the running back is, regardless of all that, this is still on some level a test that they have to pass, that they can actually face this Kyle Shanahan scheme and and stand up to it they just haven't done that yet so um i i think that that's the the perspective they're bringing into it with that said obviously as you said no one that touched the ball in that NFC championship game is going to be on the field thursday night this is obviously a very different personnel wise very different 49ers team and there's no question the packers are getting a huge advantage uh, so long as this game goes off thursday night because of just the, the the massive rash of injuries that the 49ers have, have had and, and how many, how much of their cap space is, is on IR. I mean, it's, you know, some teams just get snake bit and it's clear the 49ers are, are completely snake bit this season. So it's a, it's a massive advantage for the Packers, but it's, it's not something, you know, that the Minnesota Vikings had a lot of injuries on defense this past week. They did not torch the Minnesota Vikings. They lost that game. They, no matter who's on the field, you still got to go play. And this is a team that didn't do that on Sunday against their NFC North rival. They've got to do that against a, a scheme that, that gave them fits last season. So, you know, you said the run defense is pretty much the same. Let me ask you, what is different about this Packers team this year compared to last year that should give them optimism coming in? There's no question that year two of the Matt LaFleur scheme, they're, they're much more fluid. They're, they're much more comfortable and natural in it. I, I think that, you know, the, the way that the players on offense describe it is that um, last season there was a lot of thinking going on, uh, why they were doing certain things within the scheme and just, just you know, what they were supposed to be doing. And, and when, when, in this game, when, when, you're, when you're that mechanical, you get really rigid, it slows you down. It, just, it's, it slows your game speed, your playing speed down they look a lot more comfortable this season. They're able to con- conceptually understand the offense better. And there's a lot less thinking, which, which frees them up. I think it's a big reason you've seen Aaron Rodgers play so differently uh, in terms of getting rid of the football. He's been so much better at being on schedule with his quick, re- quicker releases this season, playing from within the pocket, um, not, not searching downfield to the point where the plays break down. He's got to vacate the pocket and, and, and it kind of looked at times last season like a car functioning with no oil. But it's been a very much smoother process offensively uh, in year two with Matt LaFleur. Defensively, you know, when you look at what's different, it, it's a lot of regression. Last season, this Packers defense was, was pretty average when you look at total yards. And uh, they were able to keep opponents off, off the scoreboard uh, in correlation to how many yards they gave up because they were really good inside the red zone. They have been less good inside the red zone this season, but the biggest difference defensively, there's no question last year, they lived on takeaways. They had 25 takeaways last year. They were top 10 this season. They have four. They've only taken away the football four times all season. Uh, it's just, it's, it's been a massive drought. And, and part of that's the, a lack of pass rush. You look at Preston Smith, for example, he had a dozen sacks last year. He's got a half sack 
all season. <laughs> it's been a big drop off for Preston Smith. So Darius Smith's sack production is, is still uh, rather high. Um, he, he's, he's had fewer pressures, but uh, he's still getting home and, and getting to the quarterback. Uh, but the, as a whole, the pass rush hasn't been what they expected this season. It has regressed. And I think that with a more comfortable quarterback, a more comfortable offense in general that they're going up against week in, week out, because of that lack of pass rush, they're, they're just not generating as many big plays. They're not taking the football away as much. And that's been a, a, a real Achilles heel of this defense. That was Ryan Wood. We thank him again for making a little time for us on what has sort of amounted to a crazy day for both of these teams. Beyond this game, Levin, I kind of got the impression that it's not totally out of the picture that Aaron Rodgers could be a 49er next year. No, I don't think it is. I, it, it feels like to me, kind of just looking at the situation and also what Ryan said, if it were to happen, it would be more Aaron Rodgers being the driving force than the yes. Packers. I don't think the Packers are ready to move on from him as long as he's looking like an MVP candidate but they might've pissed him off enough with never helping him and drafting somebody behind him that he might get to this off season and go, you know, I just had a great season. I just proved you guys are a bunch of dumb. (laughs) (laughs) And now I'm really going to, you know, dig it in. They could have burned the bridge with that draft pick. So are you going to change your score prediction from earlier in the day when we tape this? You know, I don't think I'll change the Niners score. But I'll go ahead and, and say this is going to be more of a blowout. And I think the Packers, instead of 23-13, I'll go to 30-13 because I think the Packers are going to be able to sit a little bit. You know, they're going to be able to dominate a little bit more, yeah. more opportunity. I think if the Pack, especially if the Packers get up two scores early, like the Niners are really be in trouble. I think I picked 31 points for the Packers earlier today. I'll think I'll go 35-13. I just, I think it could get bad. I mean, there's only so many losses that you can sustain before your offense just completely crumbles away. And we might see that tonight. I hope we don't, but I mean, Kyle Shanahan somehow goes eight and eight. Like he's the coach of the year. He is the coach of the year. No, he won't win it, but he is. No, I mean, this could be a game that follows the Seattle game script, except for there's no points late to make it closer than it seemed. This could be a game where the defense comes out and Hey, first couple drives, they did it. And us sitting at home go, Hmm, maybe. And then they get tired because the offense isn't doing crap with the ball and all hell breaks loose. I mean, that, that's what will probably that, that I would say is the most likely script for this game is the defense comes out, looks halfway decent, and then they get tired because they're constantly left out there because the offense can't move the ball. They wear down and the Packers just start piling on. Well, no matter what happens, we will be here for you after the game tonight as well with the Instant Reaction Podcast. Hopefully it's a happy recap, but we'll see. For now, please rate, review, and subscribe to the Niners Nation Podcast Network. You'll get this show. You'll get all our great shows. Go Niners. Hopefully no one else gets sick or injured, and uh, we'll talk to you later tonight.